It's time for the Basser Hour. The Basser Hour is a look at issues that affect today's veteran. The Basser Hour is brought to you by www.hadit.com. If you need help with the VA, log on to hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Jay Basser. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Basser Hour. We're sitting here today. Today is Leap Day, Leap Year. Happens every four years, so I guess we'll get a bachelor show one every four years. With well, me today, guest speakers we have today is Mr. Gerald Cook of the Six Million Dollar Men, Gerald Cooks, and Mr. Alex Asnod Graham. He's out on the West Coast. How you fellas doing today? Well, I can't complain. Interested in finding out how you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> I can complain, but not too loud. <laughs> well, folks, Gerald, host of the show on Had It, the uh, Had It radio show, he had a little issue here a couple of weeks ago. He decided he was going to have a little uh, event and uh, break his hip, and uh, now he's he's. Had to change his name to Lee Majors, and now he's the Bionic Man. They got him all put together with metal, and he's back home, and just like he ain't missed the beat, and he's back with us, and we're happy he is. And Gerald, how you feeling, buddy? How's it going? Well, you know, I feel kind of rough around the edges, but uh, uh, my therapist told me today he thought I would end my uh, uh, therapy today. He said you're doing so doggone good. Uh, I'm a walking and you know everything. Uh, he said most people lay around moaning and groaning. You jumped up and did all my exercising, and uh, uh, I'm telling you, with a broken hip this day and age, that a guy can get up and get going within a week or so. That's that's uh, that's saying a lot for technology. Yep. And I'm really. I mean, you know, it's been naturally you're going to have discomfort, but uh, as far as the pain, uh, uh, it's not been unbearable at all. I mean, nothing probably a aspirin wouldn't take care of, but uh, for me anyway. But uh, they should send you home from the hospital with hands full of Good God, no wonder there's many druggies running around the country. Man, I've broken bones before, things like that, but I've never done nothing that major, you know. Uh, I don't know, Alex, you ever been horse kicked, or I know you've been in a couple plane crashes in your lifetime. <laughs> I guess <laughs> I guess you've had some pretty serious breaks, ain't you? Well, I messed up my back, but I, I yeah, I got you kicked by a horse, but fortunately I had about two feet extra lead rope out when he decided to cut loose so he didn't catch me close. He just pushed me back about ten feet instead of breaking anything. I think I did broke two ribs, but it wasn't it wasn't anything like going from a hundred miles an hour to zero in ten feet. Yeah. Yeah, that kinda hurt. Yeah. That would probably take your uh, aorta and put that back side of your chest. <laughs> you know how Energy you know how long it do that is that all it takes is was the pilot said, Oh shit. It got about that far before we heard the clunk. <laughs> so, 
Well, that hurts. Would you hit threes or what? Before he got to the T at the end of that word, we were stopped. Mm. <laughs> I bet you are. Well, that's one thing about something I never wanted to do is be in a plane, a perfectly good airplane, and hit the ground with it. Hopefully I've got a perfectly good parachute strapped to my butt and I'm high enough to jump out of that sucker. You know what I mean? Uh, there was absolutely no reason for this to happen. Absolutely no reason in the world. He turned into the mountain instead of away from it to do a circle. He just ran out of altitude. And he was going way too slow, and he stalled the aircraft. And <laughs> Uh-oh, now what? That's not in the book. <laughs> you realize well, he was sitting up front. Was he up front? <laughs> was y'all side by side or was he up front? No, I was in the back, strapped in with a harness, standing up, dropping telephone cable out the bottom of the aircraft. It was called a PC-6 Porter. And you could stick the flaps out on those things to about 22 degrees. I'd rev that motor up and increase the, the pitch and and... Just about hold it in the air. You could. I know when you landed it, you could land in about 150 feet. You could take off in 300 feet if you didn't have anything in it. It was a real short takeoff because it had so much wing. But by the same token, if you get it going too slow and pull up and stall it, you're dead. You, you don't get enough room to recover if you're too low. I don't think How did he? Stalled it. How did the he pilot fire in this act? All I gotta say is you gotta be a pretty smart air aviator when you start monkeying around with a stole aircraft like that with the flaps out. Did he make it? He made. We all three of us made it. We had one mm. of them gomers who, who claimed he was from the U.S. Agency for International Development, but he looked pretty mm. smart to be there. Uh, he was <laughs> supervising what I was doing. I think he was the captain, but he didn't have any uniform on. Well, folks, I'm going to tell you something. If you've got lung and heart disease and you're moving around your house and you're able to walk or you're able to stand or you're in a wheelchair, and if you stand up or you move, you better be holding on to something. Because I've had episodes like this, and Gerald's had episodes like that. If you stand up too fast, you're going to get dizzy. And I've been lucky myself because I've hit the ground three or four times pretty hard. And Gerald's hit it, and now he broke his hip. But when you get dizzy and fall down, there's nothing you can do. So make sure that you've always got somebody with you. That's true. Because your lung capacity and your and you know your oxygen to your brain once it cuts out, you hit the ground. You know it, it, it's rough on you. And if you're service uh, they, connected for any lung, yeah, Rachel. Uh, they had a heart specialist come in and look at me. And uh, of course, they know by my records I'm anemic and uh, I have all kinds of low R, not enough hemoglobin or. or stuff like that, and uh, they uh, uh, they did uh, one of these uh, sonograms on my heart, and what he, he told me, he says, tight aorta in my heart, and he said, uh, it, it's not, it's tight, it won't hardly open, and it 
when it does, it won't allow enough blood to get, you know, to get through to to start oxygenating things. And, of course, uh, when that happens at uh, unpredictable times, uh, your lights just go out. And uh, usually I'm always extremely cautious. I never get up from a sitting position anywhere unless I got something close. Like should I become unsteady, I can reach over and steady myself. And this particular time is one time I was standing in the middle of the floor and I stooped down, picked something up, and kawam. Uh, <laughs> uh, there she went. And not a thing to grab a hold to. And and you don't have you don't have much of a warning. I mean, hardly any at all. And you're, How many times? you're just there. So be How many times cautious. <laughs> How many times I've told you you're reaching towards your best friend? Yeah, well, yeah, but I... Uh, uh, you know, uh, people get a little older and the more medications they're on and your medications uh, uh, get you all messed up. Uh, you just have to do the extra thought. Uh, now, should I scoot down this into the couch to get up because I got something I can reach to here? Usually, when you get on your feet, you're pretty stable, uh, unless you're going too far. But uh, be sure to watch out for that, folks. Uh, uh, by having one incident happen, I might have stumbled onto something that possibly the heart doctor, he wants to take a look at my order now. He said, if I can get that to open it up uh, where it'll give enough blood to you, that could help your breathing, which makes sense. Anyway, you it's get a have, yeah. uh, uh, yeah. uh, No, he, well, he acted it wouldn't be that. I don't know what uh, I got to go to him in a week or so, but uh, you know how one one incident happens can open the door to the discovery of another issue. <laughs> yep. At least get me where I can breathe. That helps. Yeah, well, we had a guy in Louisville up here, uh, I guess several months ago. That was the store got robbed and he got shot. Yeah. And. Uh, he got shot, and they had to do emergency surgery to take a bullet out of him. And when they did, they found a mass in his stomach, and uh, it was cancer, and it saved his life. Well, you know, things like that. Yeah, so, you know, sometimes bad things are meant to happen, you know, just for the good effect of it. Yeah. So I don't know what you I heard, well, I heard you had a new battle fixing to take, take effect here pretty soon. I'm anemic. I'm on blood thinners, and I'm on. I'm, I don't eat the pain medication. I just feed it to my septic system. But <laughs> all about seeing the little black spots in the corners of my eyes. I've learned that when I, I stand up and see that, the first thing I do is I sit down and get real close to the ground before I fall down. So I. I know exactly what y'all are talking about. Yeah, you sure do. Yeah, them floaters. Yeah, floaters. <laughs> yeah, I, didn't, I didn't know what else to call them. They're floaters, what they call them. 
So, John, who's going to be president? Who who do you think would be the best president with the veterans with with veterans in mind? Well, I've done some strategic studies out of, out of all all the plans, and of course we've got two sitting senators running, and they've done they've done a little bit to help. Uh, one Rubio's actually done some stuff more than Cruz has done. He's actually been in front of the committee and done stuff with the Florida guy, with uh, Jeff Miller. And he helped get what we've got now, which is some of the reforms that they've got now. Um, it's not enough. It's got to be tore down and rebuilt. Uh, now, the new guy has got a plan that uh, he, wants to, he wants to go through and do a complete reevaluation of it. And he wants to see what the problem is, cut out the fraud, waste, and abuse. And he wants to go through it all. And he wants the veterans to have them, uh, be able to be like Medicare and see any doc. So that's kind of the way I'm leaning. Well, I'm, I am undecided. I mean, I listen to them all talk, and, of course, I'm... I was I was dumbfounded. I saw the thing uh, with yelling at a marine and having him with, thrown out of his hearing uh, there or place where they're having some kind of. But yesterday afternoon, I thought to myself, God, how's this guy hoping to ever get any votes for his wife if he treats? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, didn't, I didn't. I saw that. I've seen that. That was disrespectful. I mean, that was horrible. Well, guys, I hate to say this, but, I mean, in response, I don't think that man's well. I think there's something wrong with him. I think there's something going on that we don't know about because he don't look well. He doesn't look well, no. Thank God he's not running for president, but he's sure not doing his wife any favors. I don't know where no. Bernie's on anything. If you, if you ask him, of course, he's your best friend and the best veteran's friend. But, Ben, I'll tell you, when he was running up the Senate Veterans Committee, I, he didn't do anything for us. I guess he didn't do anything against us, but more appropriately, he didn't do anything for us. He just he treaded, treaded water in place and didn't really give us anything in spite of the fact that the crap started to come out on his watch, so to speak, uh, where the problems in the VA were already starting to become apparent even during his tenure in the, in the, House, the Senate Veterans Committee. But it wasn't he going to be a, a powerful interest elected? I don't see where he's going to be a veteran's friend per se. What do you think about that? Wasn't he on the Senate committee at the same time that uh, you buddy down in San Diego was on the uh, House committee? Filner. Yep. Yeah, Filner, Mr. Hands-on Filner, Hands-on Bob Filner. Kurt Chaser Filner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, uh, Gerald and I had Mr. Filner on the show once or twice. <laughs> oh, he was, he was a regular. I loved having him on. He was, uh, yeah, he was quite the guy. He just had too much American red blood in him, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, him, 
I look at I, I really I pray to God I should say that somebody is going to come to the forefront, be it Ted Cruz, Rubio, Trump, I don't care if it's Bernie Sanders for that matter. Somebody will come forth and say, hey, you know, veterans are one of our our, our national treasure of sorts. If it wasn't for idiots like us going out risking our lives for our country, signing up even in peacetime, not knowing it was going to turn to war a week later, it's uh, to me, it's uh, we're a national asset. We're, nobody's as stupid as we are, and and if we are that stupid, then we should be remunerated for our stupidity. How to be, you know, God looks out for you know idiots. I think, and, and I think we should be rewarded for that. So it strikes me. Consider we've been getting a short end of the stick since Lincoln. It would seem to me it would be. Our time in the sun is almost here. I, I, I thought we'd gotten there when people started dying down there at Phoenix and they started saying there was something wrong with the VA system. It seems like we just can't get any traction. So every every day something new happens. Hey, well, there's people dying of Legionnaire's disease and the head of the hospital just got a bonus for killing 12 of them. Well, Alex, once they figure out, once they figure out that the VA is the... They're so inept on delaying everybody, and they've got different avenues of use to delay, and even Congress and the committees, okay? They realize that Congress is a two-year road, and at the end of that two years, the whole game starts over again. So once they get on an issue and they start gigging them on the issue and they start backlashing and they start side-chucking and side-stepping and up-chucking and doing the other stuff, they delay, for, they delay for two years just because they can, and then they slip out of it, the two years is up, and they got to start over again. So that's the issue. Hi, Congressman, here in my district, Homer. I have a real good, long working relationship with him. Since I met him when he gave me my medals back in 2013, and VA whiz bang Gomer guy calls me up. His name's Nick Carr. He's my henchman. Finds out all kinds of neat things for me. He calls me up and he says, "Derek Kilmer wants to know if you have any thoughts on how he could reform the VA and, more appropriately, how he could reform reform the VSO syndrome." where so many veterans are losing because they get such poor representation by VSOs compared to, say, attorneys or whatever. Give my phone number. Yes, what what do you think that they could... Well, it didn't take a whole lot of intelligence to realize that if you're going to be a VSO and and help a, a veteran, you better know what you're doing instead of just being able to fill out a piece of paper. I gave him a kind of an A to Z on it. I told him, I said, you know, that test that I'm getting ready to take, I think every one of those guys should be able to take it and pass it. They ought to make the test a little bit harder so that a veteran uh, service officer actually knows what he's doing and he's not just shooting holes in the dark. Well, here's a situation the lower. Without an IMO, that's a classic example of every time you see a, a VSO handle on a claim, they never tell you you need the IMO. You never, it's just almost guaranteed that it's not going to be in, in, in your fully developed claim. That, that's not going to be an item that's in there, and the VSO isn't going to tell you you need it. And 
you're screwed without it. And he he must know that. But if he doesn't, that means he's not trained enough to be representing you if he can't tell you the three ingredients for a successful claim. And I told that to the representative. I just got to if they don't know the, that Kaluza triangle, if they don't have that basic interpretation of how to win a VA claim, they shouldn't be helping veterans. They they need to be in a class or they need more hours or they, they need education. There's something wrong with the way they're being trained by their own organizations. I don't know a little secret, Alex. That's seemed to vary uh, from parts of the country, too, Alex. I've mm-hmm. noticed uh, uh, what seems uh, a problem in one, one part of the United States is don't mean who in another, and, and it's all because of the education. Uh, it, it's like uh, they got one uh, uh, book A for New York and book B for Midwest and so on or something. I don't know what in the world they're doing, but they're not teaching the same thing, obviously. Well, you look at BDA is what I use as a metric. The American Legion, DFW, the DAV, Paralyzed Veterans of America, Vietnam Veterans of America, all of them have the same flaw in that they arrive at the BVA. Any nexus letter without any IMO, how they expect they're going to prevail because every one of those times that be a, a vet, there's law judge says, well, event here from Pennsylvania, he, he's not a doctor, so he can't opine as to how he got that hepatitis C from that jet gun when he was in basic training. So it's unfortunate. I'm sure he believes that that's, but the VA examiner said that it's less likely than more likely that he got it from the jet gun. So now he loses. The VSO, the VFW, MOPH, whoever it happens to be, American Legion, AMVETS, you got to know that you need this. Now, how in the hell can three of them together, who are supposed to be representing you at the Board of Veterans' Appeals, there's, what, 20 teams of three guys apiece, and each three-man team made up of... No guarantee it might be a, a MOPH and an AMLEG and, and an AMVETS uh, senior representative. All three of them are going to take your claim, take it away from the table, go look at it, stick it in their in basket, hold on to it for about six months, and then they're going to go back to the judge and say, well, you know, why don't you give them the benefit of the doubt? Not one of them says, sends it. Take it to the judge and say, sir, we'd like to remand this back to the RO because our Johnny Vett here in Pennsylvania, he doesn't have a nexus letter and he's going to lose it without it. So would you give us a remand? Do that. They walk in there and they say, why don't you give him the benefit of the doubt? And boom, he loses for the reason I just You know that's going to happen before he even gets there. So It's a dog and pony show. So you change that, I think it's going to change. <laughs> you want a little secret about this stuff, guys? Your people who work for these organizations at the state level or who work in the regional offices, they've taken the test and they're accredited. But your people who work at the centers and who work at the clubs and the outpost, who do the original claims, the initial intake, they're not accredited. They're just paperwork filers. Well, we know that. And that's what I told Nick. I said, 
you need to get these guys down at that grassroots level to take that test. Teach them what they need to know and give them a veteran's benefits manual and teach them how to you know, start there on page one through to the end of it. And then they go take the test. And by God, you all of a sudden the, the win rate with the veterans would go up to about 85%. That'd be 15% that you're going to lose because you can't, their records got burned up in St. Louis back in 73 or something crazy. You know, there's all well, you know, you just never make it back to the store. Now, there's requirements too, right? you got to be bonded, and uh, you got to be a notary public, things like that. you got to pay money, and you got to pay for the test. Um, I applied to the uh, OGC. Mm-hmm. Three accredited uh, attorneys for their VA attorneys to write uh, letters for me saying that I'd be a good agent. And I've admitted um, for uh, all my bona fides for my criminal background investigation. And they're going to notify me here pretty shortly, I hope, to be report to the RO over in Seattle for the test. And the cost is zero. I'm going to take out good. an arrow's no missions insurance when I actually get my OA number and become a licensed agent. It's just better to protected than to not be protected personally. But I don't. Yep. I, them, you, they can't sue you because you're doing something for you know to help somebody. You know, I uh, I've been watching these debates pretty hot and heavy, and. Uh, from what I stand, of course, they all stand by the veterans, of course, going into election. But what I'm saying is we already know what the establishment does. Uh, they give you a lot of mouth, and then when you get in there, you uh, you don't get enough mouth. So I feel that we should uh, at least... Look at one one of the alternatives, and uh, I'm not promoting Trump camp at all. Not too much. I mean, I I can't help it. I got a dozen of his signs around here in my yard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, to me, I see him as a as a possibly a rescuer of the Veterans Administration because I believe this gentleman will come in, take a look at it. He is a knowledgeable businessman. I don't believe I've heard anyone say anything otherwise. And he's run uh, large corporations. He knows what kind of mess it can get into if it's allowed to get out of hand. I believe that Donald Trump will come in, heads will roll, things will come to a screeching halt, and he will start off with a new veterans program. Uh, now, that's that's my personal that's, opinion. Like I say, I wasn't trying to pump Trump up. That's a tear-down uh, effect. Well, uh, what's the alternative, John? There really is not one status quo. We have 
right here this weekend, we just had three veterans commit suicide. Now, granted, you ain't going to uh, eliminate all the suicides, but let's at least uh, try to do better. I mean, uh, the obituaries is, is uh, uh, not a place to, uh, you know, it... Uh, they got to do something, and but, and uh, everybody else afraid to do something. I think Trump will step up and say, "Here's the bottom line, and here's what we're going to do. Do it, and things better get done." I don't see any any establishment member doing this. Rubio, Cruz. Uh, what's that gal's name? Oh, Clinton. Clinton, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I don't hear any of them uh, saying uh, Trump already admits that the uh, veterans have got a bad deal here. Well, you know something? I'll tell you, Gerald. I, I look at it from this standpoint. I like to save money. I like to save the American public money. I like to save taxes. I don't like to spend money where it shouldn't be spent. I'm not interested in whether a butterfly can sneeze or not, so I don't see where you spend $500,000 studying butterfly sneezes. With that said, I like the idea running on his own money. This ain't costing us a nickel. He, he's running his own show, paying for it out of his own pocket. i I got to get a bang out of that. And I think I like about that is if there's somebody What do you want to bet? What do you want to bet he ain't making money? <laughs> I'll bet he's making money. <clears throat> well, he, he's, he's rich, so he doesn't have to borrow money and ask for donations. Nobody's got a grip on it. Nobody says, "Well, okay, I'll loan you money, but you gotta, you gotta promise that when you get into office, you do this for me." Doesn't have anybody saying that. Nobody can get on Nobody can hand him any money because he doesn't need it. That sets him apart from a rank politician, like all the other politicians, like Rubio, Cruz, Jeb Bush, any of them. They're all beholden to special interests for money. In order, in order to get elected, and scares the bejesus out of everybody. The old Trump doesn't have that. They can leverage him. Nobody can get a handle on him and grip him and say, I gave you that money. You got you to jump through the hoop for me, Donald. Nobody can get that grip on him. That, that, that's, that to me is a pretty big positive because I've watched the politicians, regardless of whether they got a D or an R after their name, over the years, and for the hell of it, I can't say that my life was better under Bush as it was underneath Obama, as it was underneath Clinton, as it was underneath Bush, as it was underneath Reagan. I don't see as a veteran that I got a fair shake out of any of them. It's pro or Yeah. And I, you know we what? We said it. It was kind of goofy to even think a Catholic was ever going to be president, and Kennedy got elected. We said, yeah, hey, nobody's ever going to elect a movie star, and Reagan got elected. And then somebody said, nobody's going to elect a peanut farmer from Georgia, and Carter got elected. So they all tried it, and none of them changed anything for you or me. 
Donald is an untested unknown. He's not a politician, so we know he's not going to do what politicians do because he's not of that caliber. He's not of that need of of people. He's not just going to sit there and say a bunch of things you want to hear, and then when he gets in there, have all them people that gave him all the money tell him what he's going to do. Nobody can tell him what to do. So that, that intrigues me. As a, as a candidate, that he doesn't have those boundaries. Where do I get one of his your signs? Or do I just go to the Trump headquarters? Well, yeah, oh, that's what I did. Uh, <laughs> he got a sign out. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, what, they uh, they're good people. They're good people. What intrigues me? What? What intrigues me is the thousands and thousands of people that are drawing Social Security that's over 106 years old. Yeah. There's so much waste and graft in this country. Tom's brought that up, too. There's so much waste and graft in this country. It's unreal. Like Alex says, who cares whether a butterfly blows his nose or snot? I'd say almost half Social Security is going out going that fraudulent. It's going out fraudulent, and it's going out to the, the uh, blood-sucking leeches of this country that that want everything given to them, or they'll go steal it from someone that's worked hard for it. Uh, I'm had an old gal here. Had an old gal here. They found a they found a guy in a storage unit been there for years. He died a long time ago, and she was drawing his check. They went to Texas where she moved to and found her mother. She'd been dead for years, too. (laughs) Oh, God. Well, no, John, there's something wrong when that goes on. Yeah, no. But changes will take, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. This was more fun in 1992 with Ross Perot because, you know, Ross Perot, he's a short little, tough run. Yeah, he. And he was my hero. Until he bought Stockdale in the mail. Yeah, Ross was my hero, boy. Here's a fire eater. Go get him. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He's a little piss and vinegar kind of guy. That's good. Until he said he's going to double the gas tax. That's where he went out and earned it. And so... He's kind of a blowhard, and he has—I guess—he has a right to be a blowhard. Hell, he's got plenty of money. He can say whatever he wants to say. Really, not a whole lot of people that can give him a lot of static. Doesn't seem like anybody does complain about what he says. Has any luck in wrecking his claims or his, his personality? He's doing real good with what he's doing. I don't think he ought to change anything. But I. Uh, <laughs> win the election, I'd vote for him in a heartbeat. And of course, you know. I'm, 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 Conservative. I, I, I would vote. I tend to vote conservatively, and just follow blindly over the cliff like I did with Dole, uh, Dole and, and McCain, and, and the, the last batch of people I've had to vote for. Got to say, the old Trump's got a little bit more spark than some of those guys do. <laughs> he does. I remember after Ross got done with the election deal, he tried to he bought onto the board of Sony. And I was working for a Japanese company. We had a little meeting one day, and that subject came up in the board. And all the Japanese guys were talking about him. They broken English and broken Japanese. And they were like, what, no, what the heck he was doing? 
So they asked the Americans what he was doing, and we didn't know what he was doing. And then we learned the term, Mishi Atama. <laughs> he lasted about three months. Well, if you go to my website, asknod.org, at the very top, I put a poll, a radio poll, and it says hadat.com radio poll for president. And there's a poll there. You can choose between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, Bernie Sanders, or don't know. And uh, that much covers all the bases there. I didn't put it, I didn't put Ross Perot in there. Is he still alive? I don't know. Yeah, he's still alive. Yeah, he's still alive. Well, I oh, I did want to. On a sad note today, guys, we lost uh, a good one. A good one. Take a moment of silence, and uh, George Kennedy passed away. Oh, that's right, he did. He was one good actor, George Kennedy. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Good actor. I guess he was 91 years old. Well. He won an Oscar. Cool Hand Luke. Remember that movie? I remember that movie. It was one of my favorite ones, him and uh, uh, Paul Newman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, log in to asknod.org there, and you can vote for, for uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll change it so that you can vote for uh, Rubio on there, okay? <laughs> well, you won't need to do that for me. <laughs> well, I, well, I, I did not for you, did I? <laughs> oh, God. I'll certainly come and vote, though. I guarantee you, you get my vote. Well, I, just a, a way so we find out what people are thinking, I suppose. I get to meet the man. I get to go see the man tomorrow. Oh, yeah, you mentioned you was going to do that. Yep. yep. <laughs> I'm going to add well, Mark poll right now so that, so that John can vote up for him. <laughs> I don't think I'll be seeing him tomorrow. Hold on a second. I can't hold him. What's going on with this EAJA stuff you got fighting? Say that again? What's going on with this uh, Equal Act for Justice stuff you got going on? Oh, oh that's, well, I'll tell you what. You know, back in April of 2013, the VA uh, <coughs> granted a uh, claim, but they sent it back as a joint remand, and the VA agreed that they'd screwed up for 22 years. Give me everything back. And I was happier in the clam at high tide. So got our order for the remand from the judge, and it went back to the VA, and they gave me my hepatitis C all the way back to 1994. But they did not give me my porphyria cutanea tardis 100% all the way back to 1994. So that meant that I wasn't going to miss out on SMCS 
for 21 years, that works out to about $70,000. And VA just thought I could blow that off. I wouldn't notice or something. <laughs> so I, I, I waited 13 months patiently, and so I thought, well, that was long enough. And I wrote a letter to the Bob, and I said, hey, when are you going to do this for me? And he says, I'm looking into it, Mr. Graham. I'm looking into it. And about six days later, I got an SOC that says, "Go piss up a rope, Mr. Graham. You are never going to get so you're never going to get SMC back to 1994. We don't know what you've been smoking, but we know they legalized it in your state." And so I filed that uh, extraordinary writ, as you guys well know. In 45 days, they gave me everything that they said they were never going to give me, and. Uh, <clears throat> and most of it was stuff that they promised they were going to take care of all the way back to 1994, which they were withholding that SMC business. So when Bob filed for the Equal Access to Justice money, which is 3907.4, it amounts to the filing fee of 50 bucks, the <clears throat> certain amount of legal work for me, keeping it up, printing it up, having his secretary do some stuff. I had to buy her some uh, Sherry's berries for working through a weekend one night. There was a bunch of different things I had to pay for and he had to pay for and he billed the, the court for. So VA, the B, uh, Court of Veterans Appeals Judge uh, Davis, he does not like Bob and I guess he don't like me because he told me they were never going to pay out those EJA fees to Bob and me. They owe me $275 of it. Uh, they were never going to pay that to us because we did not pre prevail. They gave me everything, so of course we prevailed. But they're using the wrong, wrong legal standard for it. They're saying I filed a writ and that there was no order making the VA do what they did for me, that they just volunteered to do it the moment it was brought to their attention with the writ. That's not true. What happened is they promised me something back in 2013, and they gave an order for the VA to do it, and the VA didn't do it. So all my extraordinary writ was was asking the court to please be polite and tell the VA to finish what they were supposed to be doing back in 2013 because it's been about three years and they haven't finished it yet. And back to court, we're asking for a panel decision. Uh, take it away from Davis and give it to a panel of three judges and say, this isn't about an extraordinary writ. It's, in, it's about enforcing a court order that VA arbitrarily chose choose basically to uh, obey. What the extraordinary writ really is, is it's asking the court to something that the VA refuses to do that they're legally required to do and which they just did the moment I brought it to their attention after they told me five months before they weren't going to. I got that SOC in 2014 on October 6th that said, forget it, you're never going to get any more than 40% for hepatitis, we're not giving an increase to anything, we're not going back to 1994, and you can't pyramid the ratings on top of another for porphyria. You got 0% for your skin, and that's where it's going to stay. And I said, well, I think I should get my 10% back for my skin. I think my my uh, porphyria should be rated at 100%. And, you know, that's where I'm standing. And VA said, never going to happen. Forget it. Never. We're not going to talk about 1994. Ten seconds after that writ hit, 
man, I had 1994 in the pocket. The VA is saying that wasn't catalyst. Just because I filed the writ, they would have done it anyway, but I filed the writ, so I just went ahead and fixed it to show the court that they were real real nice guys. But they just said five months before they weren't going to do it. So what made them change their mind? I say the writ made them change their mind because they already had an order to do it, and they disobeyed the order and refused to obey the order. So that's what this case is all about. It's not about an extraordinary writ and whether I should get each of these. It's more appropriately, does the VA secretary have the right to ignore the order of the court and ignore the remand that was sent down for him to pay me back to 1994 for everything? They could hold him so, contempt for that, put him in jail. A new trial, basically. It'll be a whole new extraordinary writ from scratch if it goes to a He'll set aside Davis's decision and the Egypt decision both. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, then I'm going to the federal circuit. They're going to play the big boys. That's right. We're, we're going to go up and play the big boys playpen. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> You want to buy Bob a new suit? To the federal circuit, because he's already his eyes are already bugging out with me making him file this stuff for me. Uh, Alex, uh, you were saying that uh, this come down originally as a uh, a remand. It came down as a remand in April of 2013, and and the court said, Mr. You, you, the VA secretary, and Mr. Bob Walsh and Alex have all decided that you're going to give me all the way back to March 31, 1994, uh, 100% for hepatitis. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but you, you, in a year, then you had to, you had, you sent them this. Anyway, thirteen, 13 months. months. Yeah, thirteen months. And you sent them a writ saying, "Hey, what's about this uh, remand here?" <laughs> kind of reminding them. Hey, here's the remand. You guys only gave me the hepatitis back to '94. You didn't give me the SMCS. You didn't give me my porphyria. I filed. I filed the hepatitis. A claim, but then I filed the porphyria as. Secondary to the hepatitis, or mm-hmm. as a direct result of Agent Orange from being in Southeast Asia for two years eating that shit. Yeah. And uh, the VA looked at it and says, You were never in Southeast Asia, and that was the end of the discussion. That was in 1994. And so, therefore, you couldn't have got it from hepatitis because you never had hepatitis and you never were in Southeast Asia, so this whole argument that not going anywhere with this, you lose. And I filed new stuff, showed I was in hepatitis, I had hepatitis, showed that I'd been in Vietnam, showed them everything, and they just ignored it. And that's 1995. So when I refiled all the way through from 2008 when I won, I kept saying, no, i got to go to 94. You guys never finished it. Finally, somebody looked in April of 2013. The VA said, you're right. You're right. We, we screwed up. Okay. We agree. We screwed up. We'll pay you for the hepatitis back to 94. Well, any claim filed in 1994 is what they had to pay me back for. And so they ignored the porphyria on purpose because I failed to file a Form 9 in a timely manner 12 years 
after I filed the claim. So the claim was dead for something I did 12 years after 1994 and 2008. And therefore, the claim could not be back to 1994 because of something I did 12 years after I filed the claim. Future. It's kind of like one of those things where you need a DeLorean to, with a time, uh-huh. time machine. How'd you do that? How'd you do that? How'd you do that? On a few or what? <laughs> so that was the original decision. Pay you back to 1994 for fourth period because you forgot to file a time, uh, the, F, the VA-9 in time within 60 days of the SOC in 2010. Well, hell, I was in the hospital. Paddled in my... I bed around the world and high as a kite on Dilaudid, man. I don't even remember any of that. And so that was my fault, and they wouldn't give me uh, equitable relief for that. So when I filed the extraordinary writ, I listed it all out, one by two, three, four, here's the date and here's when. VA knew they were in trouble. They knew they hadn't finished doing what they were supposed to do with the, the case in 2013. That's why they paid me all off, but... They insist they don't have to pay Bob his EJA because, very simply, they're just they're just real nice guys and they're just taking care of it. They just they just realized that they owed me the money. They they won't admit that they refused to to, to follow that remand, and that's where the problem is. The remand was not obeyed. It was disobeyed. It was ignored, denied pay me for it. They were, I was never going to see that $75,000, not in my lifetime, unless I filed that writ. Mm-hmm. And so that, Did they, the EJ, they, all, they ultimately paid you and Bob, though, didn't they? They sure did. They, they, they paid us a, about like <laughs> after they realized that they owed it to me, I think, about March 20th. It was in my bank. I didn't even know it was there. It got there so quick. 40, 45 days after I filed that writ, the money is in the bank, and they were telling Bob, no, and telling the court and everybody else. It's like, we were, we were in the process of doing that. We, his writ didn't force us to do that. It wasn't the catalyst that made us get off our ass and fix it. So that's where our argument is, and that's where it lies. Is that the, if he didn't file that writ, you wouldn't have it now. Purposefully ignored the court. Yeah. That's what the case is all about. So, yeah, it's, it's an important piece of law. If you got to start filing writs to get your your benefits from VA because the, the DVA or the RO is not obeying what the court tells them to do, then why even have a court if they don't have any control over the lower... Uh, lower tribunals below them, like the BVA. If the BVA isn't going to obey them, we're in a world of shit. What we are well, in, right? I'm seeing, I think, a long-running pattern here. That, oh. And this has been one of my biggest beefs with the VA, is uh, they will not follow the remand. Nope, the remand nope. is a set of instructions for them, and they don't want to follow them. No, they don't. Or they, exactly. they uh, and so, uh, and they get you sidetracked looking everywhere else except where you should be looking, and that's following the orders of the court. Yeah, 
Exactly. Right. You need to get yours out of the BVA and get yours to the court. Well, I'm, I'm, we talked about that the other day, John. I said it yeah. all goes back yeah. to the damn remand. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Look at my case. And, uh, it's a classic example, and it's really well documented. All the way from 94, the VA has basically held up their middle finger and said, can you hear this? Let me turn it up for you. And it's it's so blatant, and it's it's taken me so long to get where I am right now, which is 200%, whatever, 290. It's taken me this long, 22 years, to actually get what was due me in 1994, that nobody can say it's just an accident, or, gee, Alex is just a remarkably, you know, unlucky veteran. This is a, a concentrated effort to put roadblocks, jackhammer the road so you can't drive through. I mean, they've done everything but lay down in the road and try to, pre- you know, prevent me from driving over them to get through. Yep. And you're not the only one. I've documented it. Why did I ever document it? That's why my, my C file is 10,078 pages long. I wouldn't. I ain't going to take that. Uh, I, that's why I'm prepared. I don't care. I'm prepared to spend the money and go up to the federal circuit. I'm going to do it pro se and then let Bob roll in after I get there or Nova or Ken Carpenter or somebody and say, oh, no, Mr. Graham, he's stupid. Let me take over for him. <laughs> that's, what, that's how I did the extraordinary writ. I filed it in my name with my money and everything else, and 17 days later Bob showed up and said, Excuse me, Your Honor, I'll take him back to the reservation. I don't know how he got off. <laughs> he put jacket back on him and put him back in the closet. So, yes, oh, yeah, I'll take over for him. Now, what did, how, what did he send you so far? <laughs> That's the way you got to do it probably at the Federal Circuit, too, is just to go up there and act like Joe Dumb, a ignorant veteran, and, and the VA's just trampling all over my rights. You want it to really look like a David and Goliath outfit. You don't want to go in there with high-power attorneys on both sides of you. You want to arrive looking like Little Orphan Annie. Back to the President. You can vote for Marco Rubio now, John. Uh, you can. You can. Yeah, I put him on the pole there for you. <laughs> Don't expect too much out of that night here. Well, <laughs> you folks already voted for him just since I put him on there about three minutes ago. Yeah. So he might be back the dark horse. Well, you put them banners on real big for old Ruby and Cruz and uh, Clinton and them, and, and on Trump, just put the size of a pencil dot, and I'll bet you everybody will find Trump's little dot. <laughs> I have to say, I'm voting for the underdog. I mean, this is like the Bull Moose Party back in 1903 or two or whenever that was when that Teddy Roosevelt ran uh, It has that same cachet, that, that rough kind of a frontiersman aura to it. I like it. I like the idea of, of Trump. I mean, yeah. he's brash. He's crazy. He, you never know what's yeah. going to come out of his mouth. He's kind of like, what's that, he's got, what's that disease? I wonder where you're, if you can't control what you say. My, one of my yeah. wife tells me. Yeah. Uh, 
He's unscripted. Scripted, yeah. He's example. Look, those folks that need that that what's that thing that what's that thing that Obama uses on teleprompter all the time? Teleprompter, yeah. Benefit from the teleprompter and a personal mind there. Yeah, true. At least Obama can read it. Never know what come out. It's usually not going to be good. <laughs> and Joe Biden apologizes to Mexico today. That wall just went ten foot higher. You want me to put him on the list? Nail, 
And uh, what uh, what tools do you have available? Well, you got to be able to use the tools available, and there have to be some available. And the red is the only thing that I've come across. I haven't used it, but I know Bob and I've talked about it quite considerably. And uh, I, but they got my record so screwed up, Bob. <laughs> Poor Bob. <laughs> I feel well, sorry. Back when I was a dummy. <laughs> 2013, when I was real, or excuse me, in 2010, uh, I filed a, a uh, extraordinary writ and, and promptly went into the hospital to answer it. So they threw it out and said, you know, he didn't do it right or whatever. He didn't follow through with it. Of course, I couldn't because I was in the hospital. I didn't even know what was going on. I wasn't getting my mail in the hospital in Seattle. And I lost that when it was dumb, and it taught me a lot. So when I went in to do this one, I knew exactly how I was going to put poor concrete around it. It was going to have forms around it. It wasn't going to slop out over the edges. It wasn't going to go anywhere but where I said it went. Man, I, Bob says, yeah, you got to you got to put boundaries on these guys. You got to put a rope around their neck so they you know they can't go outside the corral. And, and, and you. If you put handcuffs on everything is the way Bob says, dude, don't even allow them to interpret something two different ways, which is what I did on my old, my first extraordinary writ. Case number 10-300, and uh, it went nowhere. They tied me up and not spit me out like a bean saver. Yep. If you they got like Bob being against it. You're, you're going to be in high cotton a lot sooner than you would be if you didn't. Unfortunately, you're not going to get any Egypt fees for it, or Bob isn't, I guess I should say. But if he wins for you, it's kind of built into it, so it's okay. Yeah. I paid Bob off. Uh, I, I gave him my 20% out of that $70,000 I got off of him from the RIT. He performed. I mean, he helped me write it. Heather, the gal that works for him, she uh, spent, they dropped everything for eight days from December 24th straight through to January 1st. They had that thing ready for me, ready to roll. I had most of the paper stuff done, but, I mean, they wrote it. They did it the right way, sent me all the copies to start printing. We ran the print shop out of Seattle. They did all the hard work up there in Battle Creek. And then it paid off. Yeah, now pays off. Now we're going to get a new gun to their head, so to speak, over $3,900. Well. And, uh, it's for veterans' justice. You just can't let them steamroll over you on this stuff. It's, they know they're wrong. They're just trying to blow smoke up everybody's butt and, and, and continue uh, uh, something that they know is horribly wrong. They know it's wrong. It just disgusts me. We get Bob and he's way can, Gerald. He's going to retire one of these days. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, I need to get with him. I know he he sent me an email. Uh, I don't remember. But anyway, uh, we talked about it, and we knew, I think Bob knows Rhett, that doggone uh, they got all the files screwed up. He can't even get them. I can't get them. Well, what we're getting is ramblings. He said somebody's went in there and literally trashed my claims folder. So the last known time 
that the file was in uh, some kind of proper order was when uh, Judge Copeland wrote that remand, and she chastised the BA for not doing her job. And uh, also on the yeah on the CMP examiner to the to the VA and she said, uh, you know, you guys ain't done nothing. <laughs> and uh, from that time forward, my file has just went up in smoke. But I have a remand, so we'll just fall back on it and go from the last decent communications. And mm-hmm. and my, uh, I don't know any other options. I mean, you go back to the last uh, uh, last known uh, contact that was worth anything. That had to come from the judge because she sent it back to the AMC and where they sent it. I mean, the AMC. I don't even think it went to AMC. It went straight into archives. If your claim has been to AMC, then it went to the National Resource Center, back to the AMC, back to the BVA, back to the AMC, back to the BVA, and out to the Archive Center. Yeah. For no reason. For no reason. And now it's scattered. It's scattered. And they're, they're supposed to be asking somebody for some information, and they can't get nothing. They can't get nothing. I'll tell you what, if Bob files that writ in 45 days, 15 days after, I should say 30 days after the judge asks the VA where what's going on, usually they say two weeks, but if they can't do it in two weeks, they ask for more time, but they never give them more than 30 days to answer the judge. And if they don't have a real smart answer in 30 days, then the judge is going to start saying, okay, well, maybe I'm going to grant this writ. And I don't think they've ever granted a writ yet. The VA generally takes care of business before anybody grants the writ. There might have been two or three of them over the last 25 years, but that's about it. Well, I don't know any other uh, way to approach it. Uh, I mean, you can't deal with what you don't have in your hand. And if uh, you go back to the last solid document, documentation, uh, yeah. And uh, let them come out with their cock and bull story. The judge issued an order, and they they never followed the instructions. They they violated a court order. Well, I they're in trouble anyway, Joe. They've already they're in trouble anyway, Joe. They've already made exposure. They screwed you over. Oh yeah, they've admitted exposure, and they've admitted uh, ailments. Uh, you know, uh, so. Uh, I don't know what to wait now. Yeah, I guess so. that Rick and Bob. <laughs> well, you need Rick is in to get your Parkinson's connected and everything else associated with Agent Orange stuff exposure. Yeah. And even uh, a doctor up at that, that heart doctor told me every one of my uh, on my Parkinson's, my. Uh, uh, hypertension. My heart. And, uh, my, my heart. Yeah. Um, uh, yep. Could be re- could be a direct result of dealing with herbicides, which would be admit. Uh, dealing with uh, mustard agent, which they admit, and which uh, 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 being radiated, which the VA admits. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and he said, every one of those can apply to what's wrong with you right now. Yeah, and usually what they say is, you know, who cares what it is? Here, here's your 100%, go home. You know, we're not going to have to pay for 50 years because you're going to die in 20. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Lots of people look at it generally. I mean, when you get to be our age, they kind of say, okay, well, you know, We've got a pile of paper a mile high, and it's just costing us nothing but time and trouble. Let's get rid of Mr. Cook and Mr. Graham and all these guys. Let's just pay them off and get them out of here and move on. we got plenty of people we can... I think Mr. Graham's on his last deathbed, and he realizes he's going to live now. <laughs> he gets the purple popsicle and sticks to him. <laughs> They had an excellent opportunity to put me away in 2009. I was in the hospital for a year. I mean, they they gave me MRSA. They OD'd me on heparin. They gave me a transfusion that almost killed me. They did a bunch of stuff. They gave me a heart attack, and then none of it stuck. It's just like they, they just couldn't do it. Four operations didn't kill me. They finally gave up and sent me home. I've got a good one for you, Alex. Man falls and breaks his hip and goes to the hospital and has surgery. Three days after he gets home, he opens the mailbox up, and there's a DIC and survivor benefit package in the mail. <laughs> well, that doesn't shock me at all, because I, I took more than they did, they did send me a DIC, didn't they? And you, you know, your wife doesn't qualify for DIC because you didn't have it for 10 years. Just as live as you and me. Alex don't play that ten year rule. He goes straight for the he goes straight for full protection when he gets his claim settled. <laughs> yeah, you bet I am. Uh, uh, He's twenty year protected when he gets the check in the bank. I'm hot. Oh no, I don't know. I only got my my last one hundred percent year. I was I was twenty year protected when I got it finally. So they had to yeah. They can't monkey yeah. with they can't. Until 19 years and 10 months and three days ago. I had to reduce you to 60 because you're looking a whole lot more healthy, Mr. Graham. They can't touch it. They can't touch it. Yeah. Well, they did poor Joseph Passivak that way, and now I felt so sorry for him. Well, he that's was, the way he needs a good attorney to fight him for something like that. And yeah, usually, yeah. You win it. It's just you got to be come down on them hard the moment they do that to you. Try some yeah. BSO crap, man. You don't don't try no gomers. You go out and get somebody like Bob Walsh who knows what he's doing to hold on to it for you. Yeah. That's a fact. And you need a good, a, a mean, need a good uh, doctor, too. Yeah. If you got a Ferrari, you don't take it down to the Sunoco station at the corner for a tune-up. No. That's right. That's why you go to... I need to say on that. That's why you grab a Craig Bash and read a doctor's opinion and then you use a Bob Walsh to fight it. You know, I've always valued a really, really good gold-plated IMO and the only thing better than that is two of them. And then, of course, three of them, but... Get into a game with VA. A lot of times, if they already have drawn their 
lying in the sand and you come across with another IMO and it's for some big bucks. Better off to have two of them than just one because VA might, you got about a 75% chance they might throw down and go get another IME from one of their VA surgeons or some whiz-bang guy from the University of Pennsylvania. And, and throw that in front of the judge, and the judge will say, well, the VA is so much smarter, and they have the C file, and you didn't there. Therefore, we're going to give it to him. You're going to spend a lot more time and a lot more money if you just didn't go ahead and get two NEXI or two IMOs to, to, to slam them back with. That's what I did. I, and I've covered everything I teach in my book the same way. I says, don't go in there with a weak hand. You're going to play poker with these jokers. You better have a strong, you better have a pair of jacks or better to open. Don't go in there looking stupid with a pair of twos. Yeah. They don't take gloves. They don't fold on gloves. No, no. Have you ever played Indian poker where you have to take a card and hold it to your forehead and you can't see what it is and all your competitors can see it? You've got <laughs> you play, that's called Indian poker, and then you got you got your other six cards down there. It's like a seven card stud, but you just don't know what that one card is that's hiding on your forehead. So you're betting without even knowing what you got there, but you're you're. you're Competitors are sitting there seeing that you got two aces in front of you and you're holding another one on your head all of a sudden they're all bugging out of the game. That's that's what you're playing with VA poker. <laughs> we did that once, Alex in the Navy and the guy the guy sitting across from me had a pair of mirrored glasses on and I could see my cards. <laughs> hmm. I got to go feed the horses. I, I pushed this thing back an hour. I didn't mean to do it that way, but I'm glad I did because I never would have made it back here in time with Butch. In fact, we had to give up on the X-rays because they had about 20 people in front of us, and I would have still been sitting there waiting for him into the X-ray room about the time the show started. So, well, I know the metal vein. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on, Alex. Thank you. Yeah, well, Earl, you're going to send me one of them signs, right? Oh, yeah, Trump. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to, that or I'm going to have to find one here locally. Oh, yeah. Hey, vote for the president. I'll send you a link, choice, Alex. <laughs> see y'all later. Okay, be careful. <clears throat> Well, Joe, there's your first show since you've been back. Yeah, that was a good show. <laughs> yeah, good deal. All right, we'll go ahead and shut her down, man. Welcome back. Well, thank you, John. Feels good to be All right, back. Then. We'll touch base with you later on, man. Have a good evening. Okay, we'll talk to you later. All right, folks, thanks for listening, Mr. Basher. We sign off for now. You have been listening to the Basser Hour. The Basser Hour is brought to you by Hattit.com. 
stay tuned next week for another edition of the Basser Hour and the Hat.com Blog Talk Radio Show. Thanks for listening. <laughs>